Hello humans, welcome to another episode of Trial by Fire. Uh, I know it's been a very long time since we've recorded one of these, but I figured uh, maybe it was probably time we start getting these things up to scratch, so <laughs> apologies for the lack of uh, communication around this. I know people have been asking when we're going to record a new episode, uh, when things are going to get back on track, and obviously with all of this uh, virus stuff that it's been very difficult for myself and Joe to coordinate and sometimes Skype doesn't really do it justice particularly as you can imagine the the personalities between Joe and I um, it doesn't really translate very well onto Skype and it can be difficult to get a genuine conversation between the two of us. Obviously with um, the plans that we did have for this year have co completely gone out the window. We did plan on being able to, despite the fact that I am here in Sweden, um, being able to get into a field together. We had events planned that we were both going to be at. We had courses that we were both going to attend, etc. So that was always the plan. It was like, yes, of course, I'm going to be over here. We'll probably be able to Skype. We'll be able to interview people on Skype as we normally did. And then every other time then we can record one person to person or, or you know in the same room but obviously that hasn't really happened and it just didn't really feel right for the didn't really feel right for the show to just kind of half do episodes on Skype every week I, I don't know if it would do it justice um, and, and apart from that I suppose both of us have been very busy in our own endeavors so that's kind of, I know it's a bit of a, I don't know, a cop-out excuse, but genuinely felt as though when we can get into a room together, maybe these shows will be better. But until then, I'm not sure how often we're going to be able to record these. But this, or last weekend, I managed to uh, get some time with uh, Lars Nebro, who, for people who don't know him, he won season two of Alone in Denmark here. Um and he was here teaching us, uh, he was the lead instructor on the canoe training course, which I will get to in a few minutes. Um, but before he left, I just really quickly said, oh, can I just grab you, get like a half an hour interview with you and maybe just pick your brain on a few things. So the top of the, or the end of the hour of this episode, I have that interview and I hope you guys enjoy it. So uh, look forward to hearing what you guys think. And a really interesting guy, lots, lots of knowledge, really deep thinker and, and a really interesting perspective on the whole being outside and you know he really lives and breathes what he does so i do hope that you enjoy that interview but before i do get to that i just i've been having a bit of a think around uh skill set and and things and and kind of coming into the season now in imeln with the winter and the autumn coming in i am potentially going to have quite a lot of free time um the high season here in, in Sweden goes between, uh, I suppose, the beginning, the end of April, May, all the way into July, August, and then kind of into into September when children go back to school. But still people are able to get out and have a bit of a, a canoe trip and the weather is still uh, not too cold for casual canoes or casual campers. I think when the weather gets colder down here, even though we are quite far south, people tend, I guess, you know, as you can imagine, people that are not like, uh, well, that are not like us tend to only camp in the kind of warmer seasons, even here in Sweden, uh, the land of hikers and campers and, and things like that. But so long story short, basically with the with the high season coming to an end here in Sweden, I am going to be left with quite a bit of free time to myself. 
and I'm trying to think kind of well how do I fill that time how do I make use of those months when I've got a, a lake and I've got a canoe and I've got forests and I've got the time to explore these places and maybe hone some skill sets and and maybe round my my skill set off a bit and I would appreciate uh, any thoughts you guys might have on those things um but just for myself I was having having a bit of a, th- a think and it was kind of spurred on by uh some of the conversations that we were having around the campfire this weekend when Lars was here you had some people with him that were also partaking in the canoe course um which by the end of the weekend it was basically a three-day course intensive training course which by the end of the weekend you were licensed a level one licensed canoe instructor which i'm pleased to say i managed to pass um and it wasn't an easy thing to do at all the first day was kind of theory it was all about the anatomy of a canoe the anatomy of the safety equipment risk assessment being able to look at an environment and the 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 amount of people you're going to have out what type of people their level of experience what sort of water are you going to be paddling on is it a lake are they rivers are they is it open sea um all of these kind of things and being able to make a risk assessment of the situation and being able to figure out where the 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 potential dangers are going to be where the potential uh shortcomings are going to be and being able to mitigate those things so that was kind of the first day the second day was we kind of recapped and focused on some uh, paddling techniques some stroke techniques and you would be expected at that level to kind of have quite quite a lot of that down already so a lot of that was a recap we also did some rescue techniques so we all got in the water there was six of us so three canoes two in each um we took turns tipping our canoes over getting in the water getting used to what that feels like and then looking at some techniques um different ways that we can safely retrieve people out of the water how we can safely get water out of our canoe turn it back into the water and get it safe and and kind of uh floating again so that you could paddle it um so a lot of that was was new to me and uh was a really interesting experience and then the third day then we basically all had roles to play recapping on some of the knowledge that we had picked up that weekend and looking at kind of a role play i guess so when one person was the the tutor or the teacher in inverted commas um, and the others were students so to speak so um, if i was new to canoeing and this person was showing me the safety equipment for example are they doing a good job of explaining those things group dynamics how to keep people together all of that stuff and i was tasked with maneuvering a rescue operation so the scenario was that a kid or a teenager let's say was in their canoe they tipped over and their their canoe tip with them and i had to go out with a canoe with another person who was again supposed to be a student and talk through the procedure with them how we were going to get this person out of the water quickly how we were going to uh, get their canoe out of the water etc and it was it was uh it was tense and it was tough actually but i'm i'm I managed to get it done just about, but a really interesting weekend. But some of the conversations that we were having around the campfire of those nights really spurred on some thoughts in my head. You know, something I kind of wanted to share with you guys before I let you lead you into the interview, because it is only a half an hour interview. So I felt 
maybe you know if you guys are willing to uh maybe come along with me that the kind of some of the thoughts that i'm having around uh not just what i'm going to be doing with myself over the the winter months and autumn months but how i can actually push myself how can i really ramp up my my skill set uh or you know what are the techniques involved in doing those things and are they is that necessary i don't know so uh, i guess um two well one of the first things i guess was the fact that lars um he has been on the Danish Alone uh, series, and he won it, actually. After 27 days, he was the, the last guy standing. And one of the other guys that was with him, his name was Miguel. Uh, he was actually on season three, I believe, and he lasted two weeks before he tapped out. And I was kind of thinking, like, you know, there's no prize money involved in the Danish version. So what's the reason for doing it? Is it ego? Is it a personal endeavor? Is it is it testing your skill set in a controlled environment where you... Basically, a TV show can facilitate you to go up to the north of, I think it was in right up in Norway, and allow you to, in a, in that environment, kind of test yourself in front of a camera. I don't know. Um, it's an interesting concept, and it's I don't know if it's something that I could personally do. I don't know many people who could do it. Um, Lars seemed to have taken it in a stride. He said that it, it was very easy for him. That he felt like he was he needed to go longer. Um, but you'll hear that in the interview. Um, but I suppose the, the question is, you know, should we be testing ourselves more? Maybe maybe we should, maybe we shouldn't. It appeals to some people. Some people are very competitive with themselves. Some people aren't. Um, for me personally, I mean, I'm kind of a, a knowledge whore, I guess. I, I like to uh, be finding new new information, reading books. Uh, books on different topics um that maybe aren't necessarily related to outdoors or bushcraft um or you know listening to podcasts history podcasts geography natural history those kind of things and i kind of what ends up happening is that i'm i've got all these small nuggets of kind of information in my head that don't really they don't really correspond in any way shape or form um but it's this thing and and it reminds me of um I'm reading, I'm rereading Yvonne Schoenard's uh, Let My People Go Surfing book right now. And for people who don't know who Yvonne Schoenard is, he was, he's basically the founder of Patagonia, the clothing store or the clothing company that we know today. Um, but originally he started out as a blacksmith. Maybe a lot of people don't know that. And he started out as a blacksmith um, building his own climbing gear, his own uh, carabiners and, and, and hooks and things because he couldn't find the quality that he was looking for at the time. I think this, I believe this is in the, the 70s. And um, so he kind of just started making his own stuff. And based on climbing, he was finding um, bits of clothing that he was finding, like rugby shirts, for example, in the UK that proved to be quite good for climbing because they were hard wearing and things um so the 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 clothing company kind of came as a result of him being first and foremost a blacksmith but one of the i'm going to read a quote out from from his book here and um it kind of resonated with me and, and i guess it uh, kind of allowed me to um put myself in in a in a or describe my 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 way of learning i guess and it was it's probably something that i've I, I don't think i've ever been able to explain or describe to people but i think yvonne um describes it really interestingly in 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 his book and it's something that i kind of relate to and um, so i'm just going to read out his quote here um, i've always thought of myself as an 80 percenter 
I like to throw myself passionately into a sport or activity until I reach about an 80% proficiency level. To go beyond that requires an obsession that doesn't appeal to me. Once I reach 80% level, I like to go off and do something totally different. That probably explains the diversity of Patagonia products um, and why our versatile, multifaceted clothes are the most successful. Again, as I said, it's kind of something that I think I can I can relate to. I, I tend to become obsessed with things very quickly, be that, um, well, the bushcraft, for example, spoon carving, navigation, natural identification of things in our, in our natural environments. But the thing is, I've never really mastered anything. I've never really mastered a skill that I, well, maybe I'm known for or somebody who can point towards me and say, this is the guy you want to talk to. This is the, the master of whatever that may be. And maybe that's not needed. Maybe 80% proficiency level is enough to get you by to allow you to enjoy things like canoeing, for example. If you were 80% proficient in canoeing, and I'm not saying I am in any way, shape or form, at that level of proficiency yet but if you were at an 80% proficiency level in a canoe is that enough to get you out on the water to get you into places so that you're comfortable in rapids you're comfortable in different types of water and and kind of use that then as a tool maybe maybe 80% is enough for some people it isn't and I guess it kind of goes against my personality maybe is it would it be difficult for me to become a master in something um and should I maybe try and focus on something i don't know and and i guess i'm talking about this out loud to you guys but i'm also kind of asking you also are these things that maybe you think about yourself think about something that i mean we all have friends particularly in the outdoors i have many people that i look up to in the outdoors that are masters in their own field you know and and even 80 even maybe not quite 100% perfect, maybe 90%, 95%. I'm thinking about the likes of, you know, Jamie Dakota and Hell Bushcraft, like and like for his age and, you know, we're, we're basically, he's a little bit older than myself, but man, for a guy who's who's that young and to be such a uh, a well-rounded outdoors person is, is really great to see. And, you know, I'm fortunate enough through Living to Learn and through the podcast and things to have met such interesting people who are really, really dedicated to their craft there's a there's a difference i suppose between focus and discipline uh focus is easy focus is easy when it's something that you're extremely passionate about when you're when it's fun to do when you're really enjoying i don't know uh whatever it might be navigation if you're an absolute navigation nut and every time you have a compass in your hand or you're reading the land that's an absolute joy for you that's focus you know you're focused on your task you're in a flow state you're in a a mindset of being in the zone i guess and then discipline is the other side of that coin when it when it's difficult when you don't really want to get up and do it I'm thinking about you know i don't know martial arts training for example or going to the gym or you know going for that run or that rook you really don't want to get off the couch you really don't want to do it it's late in the evening you've been in work all day that requires discipline and you know that the returns and the 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 effort that you put in today will have beneficial effects in the future. We are designed as humans to operate in, a, in, a, in an immediate returns environment. And that comes from our ancestors when the work you put in in that very moment was directly uh, rewarded with, I don't know, foraging, hunting, whatever. And unfortunately, we're in a, a slow returns environment these days. You know, things that take a long time to hone and master 
Um, that might be your education. It might be your job, you know, getting that raise, working hard for years with the knowledge that it's going to pay off in the, in the end. And as humans, I think it's very difficult for us to see those things. And the opposite is the same. If somebody's, you know, those incremental things you do every day have a huge effect on you long term, maybe your diet, maybe you smoke, whatever. Focus and discipline, as I said, they're, they're two different things. And maybe maybe we can all get better at maybe we can be a little bit more disciplined in our outdoor pursuits i don't know it it also kind of comes back to one of the techniques that i've uh, thought about before is um was spoken about in uh, james clear's book atomic habits and he has an idea that's called coupling and basically it's coupling means that you know you you attach a new habit or at something that you want to instill as a habit in your lifestyle with something that you already do. So, for example, if you brush your teeth, every morning we brush our teeth, it's already a habit that's instilled in us. So why not do 10 push-ups every time you brush your teeth? You're going to have to do the tooth brushing anyway, so why not couple it with something like uh, doing push-ups? Um, and if we were to, you know, uh, apply that discipline or that thought to the outdoors, maybe it's, you know, every day... When you walk the dog, the dog has to be walked. Maybe every day you try and identify a new plant. You take a sample of it and bring it home and identify it. Or maybe you try and identify, uh, use your compass every time you go for a walk with dogs. I don't know. I, I'm kind of just thinking out loud here. But maybe that's something that we can employ in our um, in our outdoor pursuits. I feel as though I've got a long way to go, of course, as a lot of us do you know every day we're learning new things particularly as outdoor people and you see the likes of Mears and, and Kurtley and, and these people who just seem to have an endless knowledge of everything related to the outdoors carving knowledge canoeing knowledge natural identification knowledge bushcraft skills cooking you name it there's there's so many facets of outdoor knowledge and we've kind of gone through a lot of those things before here in the past and we've discussed the idea of t-shaped learning and all of that kind of thing um so uh, yeah i mean hopefully that's not too much of a ramble it's just something that i've been thinking about personally um and now that i have the time to get into the the, the autumn and the winter and i can really focus on something and um, maybe i should return to to carving maybe i should up my navigation maybe i should just get really good at canoeing i don't know um, but those are things that I've been thinking about. And I would love to hear what you guys um, think of that. If you have some tips or tricks about upping your knowledge game or, or maybe, um, you know, speeding up the process or, or speeding up the habits that we, we need to uh, maybe pursue when we're, when we're getting out there. We can all talk about gear and, and, and knives and axes and, and ventile and, you know, everything under the sun. And we, we love that stuff. We all do. And, of course, they're the tools that facilitate are are fun and we shouldn't obviously neglect those things but again i'm speaking for myself personally it's something that i want to round out with a more disciplined and focused learning regime or mechanism and yeah that's 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 just my thoughts for for this week i guess um i'll leave you now into this interview i had with lars as I said, a really interesting guy, really educated, really knowledgeable. Um, he runs a company called Team Nord out of Denmark, and they do all sorts of different courses for people, um, be that canoeing, rope climbing, bushcraft, etc. So have a listen to that guy. Um, enjoy it. 
um hopefully we'll see you guys soon and until then uh enjoy yourselves out there and stay safe all right well Lars and Ihus, thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. Uh, it's been a really amazing weekend we've had here in Imeln, uh, under your tutorage of becoming canoe certified level one canoe instructor training uh, trainers. How did you find the experience yourself being down here? Oh, this uh, weekend it was uh, so just a wonderful weekend. Uh, the, this uh, time of year, this. The, the lake is so beautiful with the with the trees around and uh, you know the geese flying around and uh, obviously uh, always nice company here in Imelin with uh, Jon and uh, and uh, you guys mm -hmm. here so it's always fun because there's always more to it when you come to Imelin than just uh, it's not just a canoeing a rental center it's uh, also a, a people to meet up with uh, yeah with the people from the environment so i really enjoy coming here yeah um is this how many times have you been here have you been coming here for a no, few years or no it would be too much to say i've been here like all in all three or four times okay so, yeah excellent yeah no it was it's a it's a pretty amazing place to be and i've had the pleasure of being here since uh february or march so i've been kind of seeing the seasons change so when i got here it was kind of still wintry there was no there was no trees uh there was no leaves on the trees or anything like that and then out of nowhere everything just came alive the high season here is so busy like we're for people who are listening we're sitting on the boat here on the ms imeln and um there's a beach right across here and that beach during the high season in the summer is just bedlam there's people jumping into the water there's kids screaming and stuff and it's a it's a lovely place it's a there's a real sort of um almost like a midwest american kind of touristy vibe about the place which is mm. kind of cool but um yeah once the season the high season kind of quietens down this place gets very peaceful and very calm and when you're out on the water you I mean you don't see too many boats or anything and it's a, it's a wonderful place to be able to do uh, courses um but just for people who maybe aren't familiar with yourself um could you give us just a little uh, bit of an introduction as to what your background is um obviously people might know you from uh being on the danish alone series which we will get to i'm sure um but where did you start off what was your your kind of introduction to being outside <laughs> my introduction to being outside well i was uh, like most other people i was a kid once uh, that's where it all started. Still <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but but actually, uh, this is key to me. Uh, uh, this uh, this understanding of uh, childhood, mm -hmm. uh, because what uh, what children do is they play. Uh, unfortunately, they do it uh, less and less, and uh, not that much outdoors anymore than as we did mm -hmm. as kids, but. Anyways, I think uh, the outdoors uh, is very close to uh, playing. Yeah, it's agreed. It's it's the same uh, senses. It's the same uh, understanding of uh, your surroundings and yourself. You do when you do outdoors as when you're playing. So I think we have. Uh, maybe big boys uh, paddling for for a weekend here. Yeah, uh, but. <clears throat> um, it that's 
where it all started and when I was a kid I was uh, I wanted to be a biologist or okay a scientist in in nature then I would like to live in the wilderness and um, do things like that uh, and it pretty much uh, caught me up from an uh, a very early age and I just kept doing these things I was a scout all my childhood uh, and was a scout leader from age 10 or 11 or something like that mm-hmm. uh, so I had my first jobs in in the in the business when I was 18 19 years old okay. uh, so I've been doing this uh, as a professional you could say uh, always uh, then I had some some uh, background as a social worker I was used to work with uh, uh, with the trouble kids for for many years okay uh, uh, so I was a teacher so I was in and out of the outdoor business uh, for for many years uh, and what I found out uh, the combination of working with Trouble kids and uh, the outdoors it's a rather good combination sure because when you you're doing outdoors uh, outdoor education or, or wilderness uh, therapy uh, you work with the coping you work with the self-esteem you work with mm. uh, um, uh, social uh, training uh, uh, team building etc mm-hmm. um, and of course playing yes uh, so um, I think it's a it's a wonderful uh, way of uh, of uh, dealing with people. Sure. Uh, even though it's not necessarily tr- trouble kids, it could be uh, outdoor educators, uh, uh, educators, or it could be instructors to be, or it could be mm-hmm. uh, corporate uh, businessmen uh, for for a team building event. Yeah. It doesn't matter because the mechanisms uh, in outdoors and people are almost the same. Yeah, yeah, and um, it's interesting. One of the, something you said there, and it's um, it's an interesting kind of side to it. And I think it's something that's kind of come up. Well, maybe in Asian cult and you know in Asian cultures and stuff, it's been very prevalent for generations. But this whole idea of wilderness therapy, which I think you put it that way, um, feels like it's a relatively new thing. Um, Particularly when you look at the survivalist side of things, the uh, the preppers and, and you know and, and that kind of thing, where there's a lot a lot of gung ho kind of big knives and things. Where do you see that balance in? And maybe it's the fact that you're Danish and Scandinavian. That no, I think you. I think I will have to describe the the term wilderness therapy. Then uh, it's actually a, a professional uh, term used uh, for for de- detoxation and okay. uh, and. Uh, Working mostly with the uh, teenagers mm-hmm. uh, who needs to be uh, stabilized in the in the life. So in 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 the in the in in the business, you would understand wilderness therapy as uh, taking uh, abusive criminal teenagers out in the in the wilderness and. Uh, do some both detoxation and some uh, uh, training, uh, both pedagogical but also on the skill set of being outdoors. Mm-hmm. Uh, these uh, combinations, 
and it's been well described since the 70s okay so, yeah yeah no, it's a it's a it's a very interesting thing to get people outside more and and i think it, it even stems to not just like you're saying kids that maybe need a bit of a detox but i think a lot of people need detox i mean um, yeah but but the detox today could also be a digital detox exactly yeah. exactly and that's kind of where i was coming to was the mm. fact that when you put the phone down when you're um when you're tasked with very immediate re reward systems because um, I think it's one of the things I've read recently and it's, I find it fascinating is that the society we live in today is a very, it's a, a slow return um, kind of environment. So the, the effort that we're putting in now, we're saving, going to college, studying, you know, trying to get that raise and stuff. These are all things that you're putting in place so that your future is secure, that you're planning ahead and stuff. And I think people can get caught and get lost in what, it means and I think traditionally obviously as hunter-gatherers as you know mm -hmm. the way in which that we are our environments where not that long ago was a, was an immediate rewards environment where the effort you put in was immediately evident based mm -hmm. on whether you lit your fire whether you got your shelter up whether you got your 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 meat and I think when you return people back to an immediate rewards environment all of a sudden their brains are, are firing on all cylinders because that's you know where we evolved in those environments mm. it's 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 like an instinct exactly uh, exactly yeah uh, and i think everybody will have that experience in some sense yeah. doing outdoors uh, uh like this weekend we've been paddling uh the, the lake here and uh obviously i've been doing the training and i've been uh, doing uh, the course and the educational part but what happens every now and then is when i don't talk uh, i don't educate people are sitting in the canoe and just uh, sensing the water and and the shore floating by mm -hmm. and uh, the rain and whatever yeah uh, and that's uh, very basic and it it uh, turns on uh, some of our instincts uh, and what I think that does is <clears throat> uh, you you made your point yourself uh, but uh, you could consider people as uh, human becomings or you could consider them as human beings <laughs> that's very interesting uh, yeah and if we're always uh, in in the state of uh, becoming somebody we m maybe uh, forget to be somebody uh, yeah. in this very present moment and I think um, presence uh, you, you can't really uh, avoid that being outdoors at least if you leave your phone uh, yeah uh, you have to be present in what you're doing because uh, camping sailing climbing for instance you cannot climb you without can't be thinking about anything else. You can't climb a, a rock uh, without being very present yes. climbing that rock. Sure. Yeah. No, it's an interesting point. And so, if we could talk briefly about uh, Team Nord and and your company, um, what kind of things? Obviously, you, your that background that you have um, and that mindset, I think, is is an extremely important element. And I think to be an effective and, and well-rounded outdoor instructor, you have to have that mindset that it's not just about the skills, it's about the 
the the mental uh, the frequencies that you're working in. Um, but if we were to move on to let's say to some of the practical elements, what what kind of um, uh, maybe a little bit of a background in Team Nord and what you do and 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 where it sits in the in the stratosphere of outdoor instructors and you know what kind of people do you like to have working for you for example yeah uh, that's uh, that's a big question because uh, it's really like a gold digger shop so it's it's the it's the one last shop before the frontier mm -hmm. and we have a little of everything okay <laughs> so right. uh, it's very a mixed uh, mixed business sure uh, so what we started out was uh, outdoor education, uh, training uh, and courses like this, uh, climbing courses mm -hmm. and uh, canoeing, kayaking, uh, first aid courses and we were uh, training adults to, to become instructors. Yeah. Uh, and then we did uh, a few uh, school events, uh, summer camps, um, and then we got more and more uh, team, team building events also. Mm -hmm. But we try to keep that uh, balanced in, sure. in in a sense that we are still an outdoor company, so we don't do uh, with loudspeakers and uh, right. Uh, it's very much in the. It's it's in the it's in the premises of uh, nature. In the field. Yeah, yeah. And there's uh, actually uh, a market for that, as we could say. Yeah. Um, and then we do we have a fair it's called outdoor show it's like the the bigger uh, professional fair in denmark we have that in march so we have something off season mm -hmm. and we sell a few uh, kayaks and uh, the last big project is for us to build some uh, some uh, uh, rope courses uh, around Jutland. Um, okay. So that's yeah. uh, another branch uh, yeah. of, of business. But we're very good uh, with the uh, waters and uh, we're very good with the uh, ropes. Mm -hmm. So everything in a kayak or canoe, we're, we're good at. And everything with carabiners and rope, uh, we're good at. Yeah. So it seems like the, the, the natural uh, prolonging of a of business mm -hmm. uh, building some some parks yeah um, and you should understand that as not as uh, not necessarily only as uh, as uh, idealism but also of how to work in a business right so if we're doing courses uh, then we have to find new customers for every course of course yeah. but have something more stable income with with a, like a park would be sure. we would have um, uh, different uh, approaches to the market and mm -hmm. it's you have to understand market and business and money also if yeah. you want to uh, and that was, run, a, run a business and that was kind of uh, my next question yeah, on yeah, that. Yeah. so let's say uh for example because we, we were talking you were telling me earlier about that you run a bushcraft course um yeah. and and that's a uh, uh, 100 hours i believe you said something no, around that. it's 56 hours 56 hours yeah. and at the end of that very much like we had today you were probably a level is there a leveling system yeah. involved yeah. in that um and obviously that's 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 for the people that are listening to this show and for us and that's my you know 
bread and butter you know everybody we all love bushcraft here but how popular is that you know as like what is is there a is there a viable means of com of having a a steady income as a bushcraft instructor or do you have to be more well-rounded do you have to be also part of a climbing team or a canoeing team or where do you think the future of bushcraft instructors could be i think that's uh, there's so many contradictions in in uh, in that both in uh, understanding bushcraft mm -hmm. because what i really see is uh, bushcraft is uh, is not a money thing sure it's it's quite the opposite it's a passion it's a, yeah and it's also a mindset that says uh, the 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 more you know the less you need to carry uh oh, and, <laughs> yeah yeah and and uh, it's kind of it's it's not a, a business it's a mindset sure uh, so that's one approach to to it but mm. could you still be professional you probably wouldn't get rich unless you have your own tv show yeah uh, so right, right. Uh, <clears throat> i think uh, you should uh, have other reasons for for pursuing that yeah, yeah. for doing that uh, and that would be uh, you have to balance more uh, more sorts of income and and products selling sure. craft so yeah uh, and how do you do that uh, i don't know but yeah, i think uh, there's great need for this so agreed yeah maybe we should start there instead yeah. of understanding bushcraft as a as a business maybe more as a need mm -hmm. uh, interesting yeah. yeah it's an interesting mind frame and i suppose yeah it, it is that double-edged sword isn't it because yeah for a lot of people bushcraft is a release from their everyday lives it's it's a chance to get outside it's a chance to partake in courses mm -hmm. and things like that and it's a it's a sense of escapism as a hobby but mm -hmm. there are those few who who try and gun it as as to make it their their main source of income and yeah it's tough i can imagine how tough that would be it is yeah um you mentioned uh, something about mindset and pres and being present um you use climbing as an example of that and i think it would lead naturally into something that I obviously wanted to talk to you about and probably what people know you most for, and that is for winning uh, season, was it season two of Alone uh, in Denmark? Um, and that is something that I don't think many people would be able to do or think that they would be able to do. And I would imagine, I remember talking to Ed Stafford about his experiences, not on Alone, but obviously he's voluntarily spent a number of, days and, and weeks on on an island by himself and one of the things he said to me uh which i found quite profound was that when you're by yourself out there you're so present in yourself as you said a, a human being because there's no feedback loop you don't have something to bounce off people and, and and you're forced to look at yourself as you know who you you car who you are and he said he almost had to like re rethink who he was as a person um and for you, obviously, with with alone, what was what was your well? First of all, I'd like to ask you what was your reason for going on the show? What did you hope to get out of it? And and what did you learn about yourself that uh, maybe what surprised you? Yeah, of course, the 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 cause of not going there would be, uh, what if I perform bad? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, would would people in the business look at me as a failure? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sure. It sounds stupid, but that was really one of my thoughts. Yeah. Uh, um, and also, what about uh, the editing? Mm-hmm. Uh, are they are they gonna edit uh, me as who I want to be? Um, and there's a big power in editing uh, TV shows. I yeah, can of tell course. you. Yeah. <laughs> no, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. 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 So uh, that was some of my concerns, uh, but my my really reason to to go is because I love being there. You genuinely love being yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I really love uh, be, being in the in the mountains in uh, Sweden or Norway, mm-hmm. and I love myself having a, a, a fire going and uh, fishing yeah. and. Yeah, it takes a certain type of person to be able to um, be so present with themselves for such a long period of time, while also trying to capture that obviously and how 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 much of an impact did the cameras have because obviously you have to record everything yourself yeah but i think they were kind of helpful because uh the cameras uh like an extra buddy no (laughs) it was like uh, they were my they were my task it was my job uh making a television Mm -hmm. Uh, so having uh to to make new recordings every day it was uh, hey i'm i'm doing my job here it's it's uh it's my working day sure shooting this tv show so that was one attitude to that yeah uh and uh that's not very deep uh, i know uh, an answer but uh, it is like that mm-hmm. uh, and i must say i was in a in a short uh Short season, I was out there for 27 days, and I was last after 27 days. And I was planning for day 65, actually. Okay. So I was never really stressed out of anything uh, or my thoughts. Uh, okay. So I my plan was to see what would happen in, on day 65, how was I mentally fit, how was I physically fit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I knew uh, at that point I, I would made it for the day 65. Yeah. Were you surprised at when they came into shore and picked you up and said you had won? Were you like, oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Really. Yeah, I suppose that's it's an interesting frame of mind, isn't it? When you're, when you're running, if you were running a marathon, and you think you're halfway through and all of a sudden somebody clicks their fingers like, yeah, well done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like that. Yeah. That's an interesting way of looking at it for sure. Um, did you, uh, would you do it again? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, uh, when I was in 2011, uh, I had a year off with my wife and our two children. We lived in uh, in a in the mountains in Sweden, uh, we call it a wilderness year. Mm-hmm. So it was really uh, far away from everything. Uh, just a water bucket uh, for the river and uh, wow. a stove, and uh, like more, minus uh, forty degrees wow. in, in, in the winter. And how uh, far north were you? Uh, not. We were below the polar circle, but uh, okay. <laughs> pretty, pretty far up uh, okay. in Sweden. So. Yeah. Uh, the the southern part of uh, Lapland, okay, which is uh, the the big Sami area of uh, Norway, mm-hmm. Sweden, and Finland. 
so we met friends with the Sami people there and wow. worked, worked with reindeer and went fishing and uh, roaming the forest. That's uh, amazing, man. And uh, you spent a whole year doing that. Uh, yeah, and did a uh, home education uh, wow. for, for the for the kids. So it was like seven kilometers from the mailbox and uh, uh, yeah, 220 kilometers for, for the nearest hospital. Uh, wow. Any so Any hairy moments, any... Dodgy moments? No, not 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 whatsoever. No. So uh, sail it, cruise it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, it was kind of uh, much more of a wilderness experience uh, than the TV show. Yeah, if you can understand. Yeah, of because uh, I had to share it with my my family, which yeah. which was so fantastic to having two kids mm-hmm. uh, in this. Uh, in this uh, span of time, uh, so close together as a family. Yeah, I would uh, say it really brought the family unit, yeah, like really, really strong together. Yeah. yeah. What was it like returning? Did you? Was there a decision? Was there an end date and goal? We were like, we're only gonna do this a year, and then we're gonna return. Yes, or? there was uh, also uh, for 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 the sake of the kids, uh, we're not interested in being uh, antisocial sure. uh, as a family. We want to interact with society and yeah. Show them all aspects of uh, of this world, and of course, uh, what our thoughts were. Uh, if we didn't do this, uh, we would miss out a big part of the world. Uh, we would never show uh, children, yeah. so that's why. Uh, so we learned a lot about ourselves uh, uh, during that year, and picked up quite a few skills also. Uh, and uh, so you can say 27 days in in uh, the alone show that's just a couple of weeks <laughs> uh, yeah at least uh, what what if you see the show uh, the listeners if if you have seen the show uh, everyone at home you would know there's uh, different parameters uh, stressing people people out uh, one would be uh, the environment uh, People actually getting scared. They they will be harmed uh, if they are wet or cold, or mm-hmm. they can catch up a fire. Or, or yeah, whatever. Whatever happen, happens next is uh, they will begin to freeze because uh, they had a lot of uh, adrenaline in the body, and when it's out and they're low on uh, the energy reserves. Uh, They'll be shivering, shaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, food as well is obviously food, something that's like a food, uh, like a sleep. Uh, but if you're more trained in being outdoors and mm-hmm. in the wilderness, uh, you'll have a a, a different uh, level of stress. Yeah, yeah, and I can imagine having your family there with you is, is such a huge. Mm-hmm. Like you said, if anything, it brought you guys closer. Because um, I remember watching uh, season last season with uh, well, it was a couple of years ago now with Jim Jim Baird. Mm. Uh, so in that year, it was pairs, and he had his brother. Yeah, and one of them got sick, and the other one was injured, yeah. and 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 this idea of being able to, I would imagine having an extra, you know, body there, and also an extra mind there would would have a huge, a huge impact on how long you could probably hold out yeah but uh, that leads to another point uh, you have to for one control your uh, level of uh, stress 
Uh, number two, you have to cope with uh, with loneliness. Loneliness, and number three, you have to cope with the lack of food. Yeah. And the last part, the lack of food. I'll be back to the social part. Yeah. Uh, but the lack of food, nobody ever gained weight in in their lone show ever. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. No, <laughs> you just <laughs> you just lose weight. You it just is. lose weight. Yeah. And in some sense, that's just pure mathematics. You will you will uh, use more calories than you will gain. Mm-hmm. So, uh, according to your skills and your luck, you can uh, make that uh, better or worse. Mm-hmm. So, if you're good at fishing and uh, collecting uh, edibles, you will have a, a a longer amount of time for for surviving, uh, um, and of course uh, that also affects the mind. But let's just keep it from the body's perspe- perspective. Sure. Yeah, uh, that's mathematics. The loneliness is is not mathematics. Sure, it's an emotional element. That's emotional and. Uh, I think it's very important uh, for everybody to uh, to have a role uh, in a group and uh, uh, do something uh, in uh, meaningful relations with others. Yeah. And that's actually why I love doing the outdoors and the outdoor educations because uh, when we're having a canoe trip, uh, yeah, you can't paddle a canoe uh, just one person. You have to be, be two. Somebody has to carry the tent. Somebody has to carry the pots, and somebody has to light up fire. Somebody's yeah. there's a role for everybody, and yeah. that's uh, part of the design. Yeah, of yeah, course. yeah, yeah. Which do you prefer? Do you prefer uh, kind of gunning it yourself and making your own decisions, or do you prefer having someone with you to to make those decisions with? I always prefer being with people because I, I think it's I, I love people. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, um, uh, but but the lonely part, anyways, we could. You have these nights in the alone show and people sitting by the fire under the tarp in the shelter and they're looking at the satellite phone. Should I press the button? Should I not? And yeah. somebody is asking himself the same question in another camp nearby. And then we hear uh, the speaker of the show and we see the boat uh, sailing out mm-hmm. uh, on the water and everybody back in back home watching the show is guessing oh it's him now no it's the other yeah, guy yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and who is pushing the button now but pu- pushing the button is actually it's it's what it's all about this show sure who pushes the who button? pushes the button yeah yeah and uh, and also what buttons get pushed <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but consider this uh in Denmark, if you ask any random person, one in twenty would ask answer, "Yes, I'm lonely." To mm-hmm. that question, "Are you lonely?" "Yes, I am." Mm-hmm. One in twenty. Right. Yeah. And that's in 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 a normal social environment. Yeah. Going to work. Ha- having people around you, living in a yeah. flat, uh, living yeah. in a big villa, whatever. Yeah. Sitting in the school in the classroom. Yeah. Uh, they don't have any. Uh, button to push that's a very interesting point 
Yeah. Uh, and for those people, uh, could they just push a button, and in a, in a few hours, it would be a, a team, a rescuing team around with uh, questions, uh, uh, caring, uh, sure. food, uh, hot tea, uh, whatever yeah. you need. Yeah. Uh, just asking how you are and how you feel and what you experienced and all these things. Yeah. So, be, for me, I was actually thinking as myself as the privileged guy, because hey, you I had a button to press. I had a button to press. Yeah. The same with the with the lack of food. How many people in this world would need that button? Yeah. 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 It's. Dude, that's that's a very profound way of looking we're, at it. We're doing a, a a reality show. Yeah, it is a reality TV TV show. Sure, Hy- uh, hyper reality, some might yeah, say. What? Yeah, yeah. But anyways, uh, we're doing this uh, for for fun and entertainment. Yeah. Uh, but but there are people out there, and it's it could. What about that? Their button. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. no. That's uh, an amazing uh, way of looking at it. I think that's that's. Absolutely, I totally agree with you, and I think that's yeah. a, it's an interesting uh, way of looking at it. Um, just really quickly before we wrap up, because it's been a fa- fascinating conversation, and I know you guys are, need to get on the road, so appreciate the time that you've given me. Um, just a couple of quick questions. What's what's on the cards for, for Team Nord down the line? Have you got any new endeavors coming up? Uh, what's what, what are we expecting to see, and where can people get information to uh, to contact you? Last question first. You can always visit our website. It's uh, team-nord.dk. Uh, uh, it's in Danish. Uh, or you could uh, find uh, us on uh, the Facebook. Um, mm-hmm. Also Team Nord. And you would uh, look for our logo. It's uh, this um, this uh, compass uh, with a with a map underneath. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see it there on your jumper, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's where to find us. Uh, new projects for now. Uh, oh, that's a big question be- <laughs> because we are always evolving. Uh, our slogan is uh, learning by nature and uh, we are very much believing in uh, learning uh, as human beings, uh, as an organization, as a business, so uh, we're always evolving, uh, testing out uh, new things. Sure. Um, so for the last year, we've been working on this uh, bushcraft instructor course, uh, and it's very interesting mm-hmm. to see what it carries. Uh, we have uh, the, the the rope courses uh, coming up for the next uh, year or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are developing uh, the outdoor shows with more and more international uh, visitors, uh, exhibitors. Uh, so, all in all, uh, I think uh, uh, we have uh, so many projects. Uh, in in a month, we'll be back in uh, Brecon Beacons. Uh, okay. at the Story Arms. Lovely. Uh, in Scotland or in Wales? In Wales, yeah. yeah the, the Brecon Beacons uh, Outdoor Education Centre. We've mm-hmm. been there a few times. Uh, we look very much looking forward to mm-hmm. to be back uh, there uh, we go there every year so, fantastic yeah. amazing well Lars it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you uh, thank you so much for uh, and thank you for the weekend I really enjoyed it the the instructor training was very informative it was very educational and I might have slightly panicked on the uh, the rescue section <laughs> of today but uh, no I, I really enjoyed it so thanks very much for coming in I really appreciate it man 
Thank you. All right. Take care.